Please enjoy this sport bloke segment from an upcoming or recent episode. And then, assuming they go ahead, Ben Simmons, after pulling out of Rio and the last World Championships, has now pulled out of the Olympics. At least he's consistent. Yes. Except at the free throw line. Well, we'll get there. We will get Very there. Very sure. But no, this is obviously massive news just at hand as of really a few hours ago. And Nathan, you saw a really interesting tweet last night about this after obviously the, the mayhem of game seven. <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> the uh, NBA strayer who... He's a crazy character, isn't he? Anyway, his tweet, it was, it was very apt. He was like, what's the over-under on him pulling out one week, two weeks? And sure enough, it was one day. It wasn't even that. It was like three hours or yeah, something. Yeah. It's nuts. It is nuts. And we will talk about the Philadelphia 76ers capitulation to Atlanta in a moment. But it's really tough, this one, isn't it? Because we commended Naomi Osaka for pulling out of the French Open on mental health grounds. So we'd be hypocritical if we kind of stuck the boot in too much with Ben. But it is disappointing, isn't it? And there seems to have been a prevailing thought that it would have been a good thing for him to go to the Boomers and play for that team and be in a safe space with a lot of guys that will support him. And Yeah. I mean, going back to what you were saying before, I guess there's different kinds of disappointment. There's obviously you can be you know, disappointed in a situation as opposed to disappointed with a person. I don't have a problem with Ben making that decision. It, it sucks. Obviously, this was an absolutely massive opportunity for the Boomers to finally medal after all the heartbreak of previous Olympic campaigns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not still bitter about that ridiculous foul call. Oh, we'll be bitter until we do finally medal, let's face it. Absolutely. So, yeah, like, obviously, yeah, it sucks for the the Boomers to miss out on a world-class player, but his head is clearly not in the right spot. Yeah. You know, I think the best thing that he can do right now is get out of Philly, go somewhere quiet where people don't really know who he is and just just get away from it. Yeah, so it's interesting. So Gazy said today, Andrew Gaze, the greatest education I had was being involved in the Australian team. It is a culture like no other. I would implore him to do whatever it takes to be involved in that. And that's that's a common thought that's being thrown around and it would be an opportunity for him to prove his doubt is wrong almost immediately too, of course. But sadly, it looks like that medal chance is significantly diminished. Yeah, and I guess the other thing as well is it potentially gives him a chance to add a little bit more value to himself because, and we'll talk about this very soon, the likelihood is that he probably won't play for Philadelphia again. So, well, that's right, yeah. So, you know, give himself a little bit of extra value and go from there. Yep. So, Shuri, we've decided to wait to talk about the Gazies after the season finishes because there's just so much going on and we do try to keep our episodes to as close to an hour as possible. The last few weeks has been nigh on impossible, though. But the grand final is in full swing. Yeah, look, before we get into this, I want to take a a moment to preemptively apologise if any of this comes across as salty or Perth fans making excuses or anything like that. Let me be very, very clear. Melbourne United are worthy champions of this league this oh, season. Oh, of course. Absolutely. They've been atop the league the entire season almost. They were one of two teams I was tossing up with before the season even started as title favourites. We just want to quickly look at some of the facts, which is where it probably will sound a bit salty. Now, naturally, we are disappointed as Perth Wildcats fans. The opportunity to three-peat doesn't come across very often. I mean, no. the 03 to 05 Sydney Kings and 2011 to 13 New Zealand Breakers are the only teams to do so in the league's 43 seasons. Yep. So it doesn't happen often. But when you have it torn away so devastatingly like this, it Or well, the opportunity happen. torn away. Yes. It wasn't a fate accompli. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. But the, the chance of having a competitive close series 
Yeah, just ripped away. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Bryce Cotton injury hurt. That was enough for me to pick United in a sweep to start with. And with two games down in Perth, it's kind of looking like that's pretty much going to happen. Yeah, yeah. We'll go through those in a moment. But then Luke Travers, who was a catalyst for the series win over Illawarra, ruled out for games one and two at least with a calf injury. And then Clint Steinle played 13 minutes before he did his groin. All while Mitch Norton's running around on a an absolutely stuffed hip at the moment. He should not be playing. It's hard to watch. Like this would be the equivalent of United losing Chris Golding, Joe Luala Chul, Sam McDaniel, and then Mitch McCarron hobbling. Well, Jack White is out. So I guess you could stub him for Luala Chul. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah. So it makes it a, a much more even series if you do it like that. But look, I mean, full credit to the Wildcats, they have played their hearts out. The one thing I did want to just quickly talk about, though, before we get into these games, there were a lot of complaints on social media around Perth having the opening two games played in Perth. Yes. Which is ridiculous because, obviously, it's a COVID thing. Yeah. Perth will then have to spend two weeks in quarantine when they get back to Perth, presumably after game three. Andrew Gaze made a good point, too. In the old days, the road team did start at home. True. It used to be away home home. Mm. So, But the thing is like what these fans are conveniently not mentioning is the fact that Melbourne United played 23 of their 36 games this season in Melbourne or Bendigo. Yeah, in Victoria, yeah. While Perth played only 14 of their 36 in Perth. Yeah. So if there's going to be an asterisk over the Wildcats Championship last season, it's very interesting that there hasn't been any asterisk talk at all surfacing about this season. Well, my thoughts on asterisks have been very consistent all the way back to probably episode one. I think they're there to denote something that is different from the norm. Of course, it's an asterisk season for various reasons. Scheduling, player contracts. The Melbourne Cup. Number of imports. Yeah, the NBL Cup. All sorts of reasons. So, yeah, absolutely. And it it shouldn't be a negative thing. It doesn't mean it's any better or worse. You only need to see the dejection on the faces of... Creek and Mitchell, as I said in their press conference when they lost the semis, to know that this is still just as big as any. Yeah. The the joy on, on Goulding's face, you know, after game two, the relief. Yep. Of course, it's as big as any championship. But yes, it does need an asterisk because it was different from the norm. Mm. And as I say, it does not detract from the fact that Melbourne are very worthy winners. Of course they are. Assuming yeah. that a miracle doesn't happen in the next week. Which, well, yeah. yeah. Which we can pretty safely assume one. So should we go through the games quickly? Yeah. Both coaches used 10 players in the first quarter of game one, which is crazy. And it was good timing here in Perth because there were no AFL games on. So the stadium was packed out. Although that being said, I think the stadium would have been packed out anyway for a grand final. I think so, yeah. As I predicted, and as I mentioned in the semis, I thought the third quarters would be big going into the finals. And sure enough, that's where Melbourne won game one in the third quarter. They outscored Perth by a significant amount and... So, look, game one, I think this game was exactly the sort of game that summed up why I picked United to sweep. I, th- I thought it would be close in Perth, but United would ultimately have just a little bit too much. And, and look, this was a lot closer than I was expecting. They gave the Wildcats a ton of chances. Oh, it was so gutsy So by the Wildcats. Yeah, a lot of missed shots. United missed a ton of easy stuff around the rim they would usually make. They missed a lot of wide-open threes. I've got a stat in that vein, Stewie, thanks to NBL Facts, as usual. It is the first time ever that no US import had double figures. In a playoff game. In a playoff in game. A final in game. a grand finals wow. game. Wow. Yeah. Well, I suppose when you look at it, I mean, Blanchfield dominated the scoring for the Wildcats with 27. 
Yeah, Landau scored a few for United. Yeah. Well, Hobson comes off the bench, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, Mooney did have a shocker. He had eight points on 37% shooting with five turnovers and only six boards for Mr. Double Double. He has looked decidedly different as a player without Bryce Cotton. Well, it makes Alex Loughton's comments in a couple of episodes ago when we interviewed him very prescient, doesn't he? Because when we kind of said, oh, does Mooney deserve a sneaky MVP pick? He said, no, no. without Cotton, yeah. Yep. Bang on. Yep. Well done, Alex. You yeah, so go back and listen to that one. Nailed that one. So, yeah, look, Perth were not without chances, though, as I said. I mean, Jesse Wagstaff had a not a wide-open three, oh. but, but an incredibly good look at a three. Not- Flashes of Andrew Vlahov. Not, not a, it wasn't as in and out. Yeah. It was- but, like, it, it did take you straight back there, didn't yeah. it? That's a Wildcats fan. So, oh. so look, it was, yeah, it was a gutsy performance. Uh, Mitch McCarron, I thought, was was great. Um, probably even better in game two, actually. His game two was phenomenal. But, you know, he's been a, a really great floor leader for them. They're getting a little bit off the benches. You know, different players are stepping up in, in different sort of games. Joe Lawalachul was great in games one and two before he got injured. You know, Barber was great in game two as well. So, yeah, different guys. Perth are protecting the ball. So they had 17 turnovers in game one, which was really key for a team that's protected the ball really well all season. And Kevin White's played superbly well. He's hitting a lot of threes, but he doesn't protect the ball that well. Well, And this is because he's being put in positions that he's not used to being. I mean, he's being asked to play key minutes oh, yeah, down sure. the stretch. Sure. He's being asked to go against the first team players of Melbourne United as well. You know, if he's going up against Mitch McCarron or a Chris Goulding, like those guys are, they're good defenders. Oh, of course. So, yeah, yeah. McCarron, particularly. So it does make it very difficult. The other stat that sticks out to me Melbourne 40 to 26 in points in the paint. So, again, it's a miracle Perth even got within three, it has to be yeah. said. And, and that's simply down to the fact that Jock Landau can play with his back to the basket, whereas John Mooney kind of doesn't have Yeah, that no, he game. faces up a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He'll shoot fadeaways as opposed to Landau who'll face up, you know, out of, out of like he'll back down and then, and then face in and shoot little hook shots or layups, that sort of thing, so... Couple of quick little notes that were nice. Alan Black and Ricky Grace presenting the Coach of the Year and MVP respectively to Bryce and to Trev. I thought that was a nice little touch. And the other thing, I enjoyed Damo's little swipe. He's a comedian, that guy. As a great man once said, this ain't a cupcake league. And I believe that Corey Williams said it too. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Corey's on Twitter like, putting out the brooms for the sweep and all that sort of stuff after picking Perth all year long. He's happy he doesn't have to get that tattoo. Yeah, true. So game two, I had the pleasure of going to. You actually were offered tickets, but you couldn't go because of family reasons, as we mentioned last week. I had corporate seats all of about five metres away from the Wildcats bench, but my lovely children decided to be sick and I got to stay at home and yell and scream at the TV instead. Well, you can give insights on the commentary because I have no idea what was said. Well, if you... If you had the sound up, I don't know. I mean, I couldn't really hear them over me yelling. So Magne hit a three, first three for the Wildcats, first points. Then Mooney hit a three. And you're thinking, geez, okay, they might be on again here. They might have a chance here. But no, it wasn't. It didn't feel the same as game one, didn't it? Game one, Perth gave Melbourne their best punch and they didn't knock them out. And sure enough, game two, Melbourne had a little bit more control. A little bit more, yeah. So... I, I yelled at the TV a lot more in game two. I, I thought the umpiring in game one was superb. I didn't have an issue with with any of that. There were a few... Superb is a stretch. No. As but far but, as, the, as but far woeful, as, it was woeful in game two. As far as NBL umpiring goes, oh, yeah, it, okay, was, oh, well, it was superb. Okay, yeah. There were three really key... And I, don't, I do not want anyone thinking that I'm blaming the umpires for us losing, but there were three really, really interesting calls. So the first one was a very, very disappointing unsportsmanlike foul on Corey Sherville. 
So he's basically gone up to contest the shot. As he's come down, he slapped at the ball for a second time. Hit him fairly hard, but it's the playoffs. It's a playoff. Oh, yeah. And as soon as they started reviewing it, you knew it was going to get upgraded. Oh, it's disgraceful. So that, the interpretation of unsportsmanlike in the NBL. So that, Absolutely yeah, disgraceful. That one was very frustrating. Now, the second one, I think, was probably the most crucial of the lot. Now, you were at the game. You said to me at the time, the Udai Baba three at halftime just destroyed the arena. Oh, it was huge. It was huge, at least where I was sitting. So it's a big arena. There were 13-odd thousand people there. but And I was in the nosebleeds, admittedly. But it took the oxygen out of the place. It was astonishing. Everyone around me after that shot was hit. I'll actually read some tweets that I posted while I was sitting in the stands there from our account at Sportblokes, if you want to have a follow and a look. Still a collective sense of shell shock here at Perth Arena after the half-court shot. So important for everyone to play the whistle and the buzzer. Did he take three steps before? I'm hiring woeful both ways. Yes, he did take three steps. That's the problem. It actually felt like that funk wasn't totally shaken off until Kevin White hit a three in the last minute of the third. So that that malaise in the crowd after that half-court shot lasted nearly an entire quarter, at least where I was sitting. And that's a big deal when you've got home-court fans, you know. You're trying to get your team over the line. And he absolutely travelled. He did. He did. He did that little two-steps shuffle that guys do between... The gather. Yeah, which... Absolutely is a travel, in my opinion. Yeah, it and is. It it's, is. I'm surprised that no one else actually picked up on that in terms of the commentating team. But yeah, it was disappointing. And as soon as he put that up, and I'm screaming travel out, I just knew it was going in. Yeah. Just you had that feeling it was going yeah, in. Yeah. So there was those. The other one, and look, I'm not sure if this is a rule change, but there was an out of bounds play very, very close or right down on the baseline where the ball was knocked out off the Wildcats with about 4.9 seconds on the shot. Oh, no reset. Well, not so much the no reset, but the fact that after the challenge, the ball was then taken out of the hash mark out sort of level with the three, the free throw oh, right. instead of down on the where, baseline. Yeah, yeah. So I was confused as to why the ball was moved up and it resulted in United getting a much easier shot. Well, we were confused about the lack of reset. We were talking about that. Mm. Yeah, well, so, yeah, we'll have to look at the rule book anyway, on that one. We don't want to sit here and talk for half an hour about the umpiring because it... Oh, no, no, it's not the reason. The Wildcats shot 28% in the second half. Blanchfield had an absolute shocker, unfortunately. And look, he's been carrying a massive load. We've lived or died with him, basically, since all the other injuries. Landau had 17 boards, which is a record for 40-minute finals games. That basically sums it up. Yeah, Landau absolutely showed why he should have been on the shortlist for the MVP. Yes, absolutely. Okay, not the MVP of the league. I, I'm happy to say that, but he... To me, he was second behind. He should have been second behind yeah. Bryce. And certainly he showed why he was a member of the All-NBL first team. And I've been saying before the season even started, he should have been in the NBA. He shouldn't even be playing in the NBL. He's an NBA yeah. talent. Yeah, but going back to what I was saying before, this was a game Mitch McCarron absolutely controlled this game from start to finish for me. There were a number of plays that he made. The The absolute highlight for me was this one-hand wraparound pass through three guys in traffic for a layup. He just, he was reading the play well. Obviously, his defense is yeah, superb. like a terrier on the defensive end. But yeah, offensive rebounds, all sorts of things. I, I just thought he was not an unsung hero because he did get a lot of credit, especially from the commentators. But I mean, he had one of the best games you would see in terms of impact versus versus stats, I guess. So, yeah, phenomenal. Well done to United. They deserve their 2 nothing lead and we'll probably finish it off in game three. Big news now. So I get this shell shock when I get home last night from the quiz that I MC. A consortium led by Craig Hutchison are going to buy the Wildcats. 
when they already have ownership stakes in United. Yeah. The Perth fans are not happy about this. Now, look, the, we, we won't go into too much detail now. We need the details to unfold. I'm prepared to... I don't want to jump to conclusions here when we don't have the full story. Do you know what I mean? But the, the curious thing to me is, why did it come out when it did? Did, yeah. someone, did someone leak to stoke anger amongst the NBL fan base and the Wildcats fan base? Mm. I've kept a very close eye on Twitter and Reddit since this happened, and there are not many happy people, let me tell you. In fact, I don't think anyone said, oh, I'm happy with this. <laughs> well, look, I, I'm looking forward to supporting the Warrnambool Wildcats next season. <laughs> I don't think there's any danger of that happening, but I just hope, I just hope now we knew the team was going to be sold. I just hoped that whoever came in and I was kind of hoping maybe some NBA players would jump in because they've been, that's been happening a lot in the league. We've Mm. talked about a few times. I just hope that whoever does come in, if this does go through, don't change what isn't broken. Yeah. It's a great culture. It's a great team. You don't need to change the logo. You don't need to change the colors. You don't need to change anything. Leave it as it is. I mean, we could use more blue in our uniforms. Blue and yellow. Well, no, we could use ye- less yellow <laughs> in our Indigenous uniforms that make us look like the fucking Melbourne Tigers. That's very true. We don't need that. She's been saying we a lot, aren't we? We are fans. We. So I'm sure there'll be more to come out of that story and we will talk about that again next week. You can't help but wonder if maybe someone was releasing that information when the series was over. And let's face it, at 2-0 down with the two home games already gone, the series is over. Thanks for listening to this Sport Blokes segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at Sport Blokes. <laughs>